Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's 406 of the Rocky Mountain West. This is the Around the House program. Last, yeah, last weekend in August. Good to have you with us here on the show. We'll be here a couple hours talking about that special place that you and I call home. And we would be delighted to get you involved with the program. Come on in and give us a call and uh, or email us. Call is better. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of fix things up for you as best we can. Whatever's happening around your personally wonderful house and uh you can let us know here on the telephone at 303-713-8255, 713-TALK. That's the phone number. And we have live email today at aroundthehouse.com. Just click on the second button from the left, which is uh, an email can button, and I'll see it right here in the studio. So, hope you had a good week. Heat won't go away, but that's okay, right? We enjoy it while we can. We'll be complaining about the cold here before you know it. Um, it, it we're not getting... Uh, once in a, this time of year, usually we'll get a, a cool day and then go back to the heat. We, we haven't got a lot of those cool days yet, but they will they will come. State Fair started, what, yesterday? Hope you can get a chance to get down there, take the kids down. It, there was no State Fair last year, as you know, but it's a lot of fun for kids. I, I like the State Fair only because it's sort of a connection with the past. I kind of like to smell and the sights and sounds of the fair and hope you can make it on down to to uh, Pueblo this year. Well, anyway, let's press on here. I haven't done puns for a long time. I like to open with something a little on the light side. I haven't done puns. There's a reason for that. A lot of people groan and roll their eyes or turn off the radio. But here's a list. These are, these are, uh, most of these are pretty clever. And I thought I'd share these with you. And if you want me to email them to you, I guess uh, I can. But some of these are a little cute. And not just, a lot of puns are are so clumsy that you just you just can hardly get through them. But these are kind of interesting. Okay, John Travolta tested negative for coronavirus last night. Turns out it was just Saturday night fever. The World Health Organization has announced that dogs cannot contract COVID-19. Dogs previously held in quarantine can now be released. To be clear, who let the dogs out? Uh, it's a little complicated, but I like it. I saw an ad for burial burial plots and thought to myself, that's the last thing I need. Intelligence is like underwear. Intelligence like underwear. It's important that you have it, but not necessarily you show it off. Relationships are a lot like algebra. This may be my favorite. Relationships are a lot like algebra. Have you ever looked at your ex and wondered why? Hmm. A courtroom artist was arrested today for an unknown reason, Details are sketchy. People are making end-of-the-world jokes like there's no tomorrow. Here's another one. Whatever you do, always give 100%, unless, of course, you're donating 
blood. This one is the maybe the groaner in the bunch. What did Snow White say when she came out of the photo booth? Someday my prince will come. A girl said she recognized me from her vegetarian club, but I'd never met her before. Her before. I've always had an irrational fear of speed bumps, but I'm slowly getting over it. Let's see. I finally sold, told my suitcases there will be no holiday this year, and now I'm dealing with the emotional baggage. Uh, I'm not sure I like that one. Listen, I like this. If you're not supposed to eat at night, why in the world is there a light bulb in the refrigerator? Hmm, yeah. Let's see, uh, a couple more of these. Don't let your worries get the best of you. Remember, Moses started out as a basket case. And finally, the worst for last, there was the reason... Uh, let me see, let me see. No, is it no? Uh, this is not the last. The, the, the next to last. Let's see. My friend died when we couldn't remember his blood type. As he died, he kept insisting, "Be positive," but it's hard without him. Finally, there was the person who sent ten puns to friends, with the hope that at least one of the puns would make them laugh. No pun intended. So, worst for last. There you go. Thought you might enjoy those, or maybe you didn't. If you wanted me to send you a copy of them. I surely will. Well, I hope you, my pile of paper here, there we go. Hope you got to see my column this morning in the Denver Gazette and the Colorado Springs Gazette every Saturday morning. I hope you'll uh, you'll look for it. It was a, a lot of Q&As this morning, the first one being about mold, and I wanted to share this with you, but I wanted to remind you the Denver Gazette is an online newspaper that's really pretty easy to navigate, nice-looking, very, very, very colorful presentation and easy to get through, inexpensive. You can get a free 30-day trial just by asking. So the Denver Gazette and the Colorado Springs Gazette, of course, is online and and uh, and a regular newspaper also. So check out my column on Saturday mornings. But we had a question this morning about uh, from a girl named, a woman named Savannah. They're remodeling this old house. There's a lot of that going on in the older parts of town as we kind of gentrify um, metro areas. They're replacing shower tiles and drywall, uh, and there's a musty-smelling closet behind behind the bathroom, behind the shower, and she wanted to know if she should test for mold uh, in the whole house. And th that's an interesting question. We've talked about this before. Testing for mold is not really an exact... It's kind of problematic. It's not an exact science, because mold spore colonies, if they're, if they're there at all, tend to move here and there and may not... Uh, get close to the testing device or the containers. Uh, so um, there may be mold spores, and there probably are in your house. I um, had a, a little basket of, of red ripe tomatoes on my kitchen counter, and I hadn't eaten them as quickly as I should. And I looked at them this week, and two or three of them had this very beautiful white mold on them because mold is floating around in the air. It's everywhere. And so we are living with it and breathing it in constantly, but if there's concentrated spots of mold in your house, like walls and ceilings, of course you want to tackle that. But the point is, if you can't see mold, it really doesn't affect anything. It doesn't affect the air you breathe. So look for it in your house. You may have an old house, and I'll bet you if the house is, oh, I don't know, 30 years old or older, there probably are colonies of mold and mold uh, deposits inside wall cavities and places you can't see. But if you can't see them, you don't breathe them. But if you do have mold on the walls and ceiling of your house here and there, you simply kill it with bleach and water and then spray primer on it and paint over it. That's it. Kill it and seal it. There's no reason to 
uh, do anything more drastic than that because mold, especially out here in the West where the humidity is low, doesn't thrive very long anyway because uh, it needs moisture to survive. It needs a food source and moisture. So I told Savannah in the answer uh, that, um, you know, I would ignore it unless you can see it. And the musty smell in an old house is not a, it's not a big deal and it's not unusual. It's not unexpected because you just may need more ventilation. Mustiness is a dampness that manifests itself in that kind of musty, dank smell that we get in crawl spaces and older basements. Older basements especially, because in the old days we put really small basement windows in houses. And I have a 1973 house that I live in, and the, uh, the basement windows are small, but uh, you know, smaller than you'd put in today. They're fine, but uh, Today, we require a lot bigger basement windows with huge window wells for emergency escape. I guess in the 70s, we weren't worried about emergency escape for kids or whatever. We didn't, we weren't, well, we weren't worry wards in those days. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, small basement windows in an older house in a musty smelling basement. The answer really is to get more air drawn through there. Fresh air blowing out the stale air. And there's a lot of ways to do that. You can simply buy a cheap bath fan and circulate air from upstairs or from the, uh, it'd be better, from the great outdoors and blow it through the basement a couple hours a day. You can plug it into a timer and just circulate the air and dry it out. It'll, it'll, uh, it'll lower the humidity in the basement. Humidity, of course, is another reason that places smell musty. And uh, we, we just want to get the air changed, so many changes per hour, and get circulation in a dank, musty-smelling basement. So no big deal. Pull air through and blow it out. And that's all you need to do to get that musty smell out of an older house. Finally, in an old house, duct cleaning can be uh, something that, that would help in terms of cleaning up the indoor air. Uh, duct cleaning, furnace duct cleaning, if it's needed at all, it's almost always in older properties that are uh, ancient, you know, 40 years older, uh, 40, or, uh, 40 years or so older. Uh, and it and depends how they've been cared for, of course, even newer homes, if they haven't had good furnace filters and good care, of course, may need duct cleaning. But you can find out easily, use your cell phone to take some videos of the inside of your ducts. And if you see nothing but sheet metal, they're fine. If you see a layer of crud, then get the ducts clean. That would help in an older, in an older home. And uh, I wouldn't just go on the open market and look for a duct cleaning company. I would get a referral from my regular friendly HVAC contractor, the company that checks out your furnace in the fall. So there's some tips on mold and musty smelling old homes. There's no reason to panic. Mold is everywhere, ubiquitous as they say. And so we, have, we really need to live with it. But if it gets concentrated and you see it on walls and ceilings, kill it and seal it. And that's all you need to do in almost all cases. We'll be back after this, right here on Around the House. Give us a call, 303-713-8255. Hey, it's 21 minutes after 4 o'clock on the Around the House program. Good to have you with us here. Thanks for sharing your weekend and we always, I don't say that often enough, we're glad you're with us and we just hope that uh, you are having a good weekend and if you want to check in with us, the phone number is 303-713-8255 and that's 713-TALK 
And uh, if you want to do some live email, that's aroundthehouse.com. Another Q&A from my column this morning in the Denver Gazette and the Colorado Springs Gazette is from Todd. What's the best way to clean out the dryer vent pipe? We can't get it uh, get it done from the inside. We can't get to it behind a wall, and so we just don't know what to do. Well, this uh, is an easy call because we've talked about this many times on the program. You can simply blow it out with with a uh, with a leaf blower. It's just easy to do. You you simply uh, take off the exterior vent cap on the outside of the house, uh, and usually there's like four screws out there, and you just simply uh, unscrew the vent cap, and that'll give you that wide four-inch opening. And then inside, you put the the business end of a leaf blower. Hopefully, you have a battery-powered leaf blower. We don't want any gasoline engines in the inside the house. And have an assistant out there with a cardboard box because you you know, listen. You don't want to blow this crud all over the lawn and the rose bushes and so on. So have somebody out there with a uh, with a cardboard box, kind of a couple of feet from the vent as the stuff comes and they'll have to have a mask on because once you turn on that leaf blower it'll blow large clumps of, of lint right out of the system and right into that cardboard box it's really very effective it's almost a little too effective and I've told people this many times do not turn the leaf blower on and shove it in the hole and leave it there because you could really cause some damage uh, in the in, inside the walls and you if you if you do, you can't really get to it without tearing the walls down. What do I mean by that? Well, when we when we uh, put a dryer vent together, when the, uh, they build a house and the furnace company usually is the one that puts in the dryer vent ducting, they don't use screws because if there was a screw sticking into the pipe, you obviously you can see that it would tra- catch lint and make a mess and plug the vent up. So we use... We use silver duct tape uh, on the outside of the pipe, and that dries out over the years. And when it dries out, it gets it gets a little weaker. So you sure don't want to uh, blow pieces of that uh, ducting, uh, blow it, uh, you know, out of uh, kilter inside the wall cavities. That would be a big deal because then you have to get in the wall by cutting sheetrock and put it back together. So just spurts on off on off with your leaf blower and it will blow a lot of lint out. It's, it's amazing how much you'll get in that in that cardboard. It'll be a little messy on outdoors. You, you can't eliminate all of it, but it takes an assistant to do this outside. And so when the when your your friend outside says, you know, there's no there's no more coming out, just turn everything off because you don't want to blow that pipe apart as I say because uh, it would just be a disaster. So that's kind of how you clean a dryer vent, and it's it's. I think if you had to kind of pick a a time hack on this, about once a year would be ideal to clean out your dryer vent. Now, those of you that have vertical dryer vents, and I know more and more of you do because it's been a requirement now. Builders have uh, had a requirement to put in really short dryer vents, and in many houses particularly on with laundries in the middle of the house the only way to do that is run it up through the roof and so you have a vertical dryer vent which sounds fine up to a point because uh, it, it does tend to uh, use gravity so the lint doesn't you know a lot of it doesn't make it all the way up to the top of the roof and so the the, the wet heavy lint tends to fall down and accumulate at the bottom of the vent pipe behind the dryer so that means that those of you that have a, 
a vertical dryer pipe, you probably need to check it a couple times a year. The good news is that it's kind of self-cleaning. Gravity will do that for you, and I would not think you would have to blow out the uh, vertical dryer vent very often at all, certainly not once a year, because you'll notice clumps of lint accumulating in the pipe behind, just behind the dryer. So that's kind of the story on cleaning, on cleaning dryer vents. You need to do that. And there's another one that's a lot more tedious, and I, and I, I don't envy you having to do this, but I do this not every year, but maybe every, I don't know, couple years, I guess, is I clean out the inside of my dryer. And this is, I've got it down to, a, to just a, a quickie, you know, knowing how, where all the screws are you have to remove. And you just ease the front of the dryer out. You have, to, you have to kind of look on YouTube on the Internet to know how to take your own dryer apart. And, and you can just ease the, the, the front cover back, and the drum will stay in place in most cases. And you'll see inside there, you'll see chunks of lint that accumulate inside the little ducting pipes inside the dryer and you have to use a shop vac to pull those out of there so it's not only in the dryer vent in the walls it can accumulate inside the dryer but when that dryer is squeaky clean it operates much more efficiently so i think it's a it's a job you just need to do if you want to dry your clothes in a in, a, in an efficient cost-effective way uh, there are reports and they're very very rare of fires in clogged dryer vents so you don't want to even risk that. So every year it's good to blow it out if you if you think about doing that using that leaf blower. It works very very well. It's just very effective and doesn't take long at all. Once you turn that that blower on in just oh 30 seconds or so, virtually all the lint that's going to come out of that dryer vent uh, will come out. So it's not a huge operation, but I I want to make sure that you go gentle so you don't damage the pipes inside the wall spaces. 303-713-8255 is our contact line, and we're glad you're with us here on the Around the House program. Let's see what else we got here. This is from Mel. I've painted my cabinets. I sanded and primed them, then put a high-gloss paint on, but I see brush stroke marks all over the place. What, what do I do now? I'm Mel, I'm sorry about that. It, it's who, you know Nobody wants that kind of news, and uh, you, I know you tried to do the right thing, but I'm wondering if you laid the doors down before you did it. You, you'll have to skim sand them now to remove the stroke marks, and that won't take a lot of sanding, but you'll have to put a new top coat on. But the secret, if there's one secret to, uh, to uh, doing this uh, chore of painting cabinets, it's that you want to lay the, the doors down on a, a flat sawhorses uh, and then use a high-quality paint, semi-gloss or satin, whatever you want to use, and just dip the brush halfway into the paint and then stroke in one direction only on the doors. You just don't want to go back and forth because that'll create more brush strokes. And then it's important to let them lie uh, on that saw on the sawhorse for about 24 hours so the paint will relax and merge into itself. And you want to make sure it's warm enough. You want 60 degrees or, more, or higher when you paint uh, cabinet doors so that the paint will blend into itself and then you'll be all set so you just have to be a little more careful and i i'm really saddened that you have to go through all this uh, again but that's the way to eliminate of course if you really want to do cabinet doors and drawers right you, you really need to hire somebody to spray paint them and that's kind of a foolproof way uh to do that let's see you got an email here from bonnie and golden praises for your guy brian at eagle crest this is my denver-based heating and air conditioning uh, guy. He just solved the exact problem you were talking about, not enough return airflow. 
He sent his ductwork guys over. They came up with a plan and picked up the parts, did the work. And by 2 p.m. that day, they had job completed, left the area spotless. Thank you, Brian, Gary, and Dan. You're the best. So uh, thank you, Bonnie, for that testimony. Brian at Eagle Crest is a guy you want in your life when it comes to heating, air conditioning, airflow issues, humidifiers, he, whole house fans. He does it all. So give him a call at 303-451-5607. And I've got an email here this week of a guy that uh, was quoted something like $17,000 for a, um, a new heating and air and humidifier system, grand, and I told him he needs to call Brian because in most cases he can do that for about 7,500 bucks. There's a lot of high-priced companies out there. Brian's not one of them. Call EagleCrest 303-451-5607. And if you want a $50 gift card for any of EagleCrest's services, just simply email me here, AroundTheHouse.com, and I'll get it to Brian and. He'll send you a little gift certificate so you get a $50 incentive to call Brian at Eagle Crest, 303-451-5607. We'll be back with more Around the House right after this, right here, 303-713-8255. From your faucet to your furnace, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. 24 minutes before 5 o'clock on the Around the House program. Good to have you with us, and we're hoping your weekend is going well, and we'd love to have you share it with us here at 303-713-8255 and live email at aroundthehouse.com. What else do we have here? Uh, just a couple of q and see Some email that came in. Uh, let's see, this was a couple of days, or yesterday, I guess, is from Pat. We had our yard dug up, weed barrier installed in gravel layered about 10 years ago. Last year, lots of weeds have started popping up. We spray them to kill them, also pull them out. It's almost impossible, yeah, to keep up with. I have the, a situation in one of my areas in my yard with gravel, and I have actually there is three-quarter inch rock. Uh, do you think layering more gravel would help? If you can't, what can we What can we do? Uh, and you... Laying more gravel will not help, and putting down another weed barrier will not help either. You're going to have to scrape off what you have and kind of start over. And I know that's a pain, but I think what's happened is the weed barrier is broken down, and so the weeds are popping up through. And I don't know how, what you've used for weed killer. Oh, I say you, oh, Actually, you said you spray vinegar on them. I would go something a little stronger than that. I, would, I like one of the spectricide or uh, any of the weed colors like... Uh, I'm not a big Roundup fan, but Spectricide works really well. My Bonide friends have some great herbicides that you might try, and not very expensive at all. So you might get a little stronger there, and that might be a little more long-lasting than vinegar uh, would be. So, but otherwise, you got to scrape off and put another weed barrier down. And we don't. We usually use, use one of these new polymer fabric weed barriers. We don't use usually use visqueen plastic like we used to. Uh, but the problem is, if you if you put a weed barrier and more gravel down, the problem is the new weed barrier will get probably uh, punctured uh, by the by the gravel underneath. So uh, I know where landscapers want to start all over again, but and I don't know what you have. You say you have gravel. Do you have pea gravel? Do you have rocks in there? I don't know what you have, but it would be hard to put a new layer 
uh, of weed barrier down there and make it last uh, in any meaningful way. Um, this, here's another one from, this came in this week from Mike. As a, a guy that inspects houses, you've seen a lot of things, I'm sure. If you were doing an inspection and saw a radon mitigation system connected to a sump pump, would you be concerned? No, I think that's a wonderful way to get radon out of a house because the French drain that many of us have around the outside of our foundations, uh, is it, it just goes all the way around the, the property. And if you suck a vacuum, uh, if you pull air through that French drain system, you're going to pull the radon out of the house. So uh, that's, that's a wonderful way to do it. They simply put their radon duct and their fan in that sump pump uh, housing and just suck air right through there and pulls it from under the house and voila, the radon is gone. So that's a good way to do it. That's a very inexpensive mitigation. Radon mitigation is not terribly expensive. It sounds like it is, just the phrase radon mitigation alone, but uh, 1000 to 1500 bucks. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't see, think that if it was in that sump pump lid and that's all they had to do and go straight outdoors, it'd be probably around that $1,000 mark. So if you have radon and test for it, it's easy to do, especially in a newer home where you have that French drain around the, around the foundation. Uh, that's a big deal because it just keeps the water, of course, from getting into the house in the first place. That's what we do. And actually, French drains, you know, they're, they're, there's a guy named French that actually invented them somewhere in New England, in the Boston area, back in the, in the colonial times, I think. But French drains are uh, tile drains, they used to call them, are an old invention. But that's, that's from my part of the world, New England. Uh, that uh, where they kind of started out a guy actually named French just in case you're interested uh, Let's see here. This is an interesting one because this is kind of plaintive and I've heard these Before this is from Deb. I have to replace the dishwasher Unfortunately, it's trapped in the hole because of ceramic tile floor added after the house is built Is there a magic way to get it out? That's a that's a great question when you're going to re tile or Put new flooring in your kitchen you always should take that into consideration is there a dishwasher that will get trapped by a higher floor covering uh, usually uh, you can get this done fairly easily the, you know the, the two screws that hold the dishwasher to the countertop um, then pry up on the metal frame a little to take the weight off of the off the adjustable legs and, and the, all four legs in most dishwashers uh, have these feet under, the, and you just screw them in, you know, lefty, loosey, righty, tighty, to the right, and that raises the little, the four little feet, and that'll give you a lot of sloppy room to play here, and, and to just kind of jig it out of the, jig it out of the of the opening, and it, it, it's going to take a little, a little, you know, you have to do the left side and the right side like a, like a uh, kind of a, a dance step, if you will, and that will usually get it out of there, uh, and if if you um, need a little more uh, a little more play, if you will, to get the dishwasher out, you can always get a pry bar, and you're going to throw the dishwasher away anyway. Get a pry bar and 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 bend the the frame of the dishwasher just a little bit inward, collapse it a little, and it'll pull right out. But usually, just screwing those feet up all the way, uh, you can kind of jig it out and slide it back and forth to get it out of that opening. I have good luck with that, Deb, because that is a uh, is a pain, and I and I, I feel for you because it's it's just not easy, and it's, it's something that people don't think about when they put a new floor in the kitchen. That's why when you refloor a kitchen, it's good to use something on the thinnish 
side unless you remove all of the old flooring intentionally. Mitch says, I'm finishing a bathroom in the basement of my 20-year-old home. A friend asked me if the drain to the bathtub was vented or not. I'm not sure. I have toilet and laboratory pipes. Is that all I need? Well, uh, these three-piece basement bathrooms are almost always vented through a single pipe. The toilet and the shower, the tub, and the lavatory all vented. Uh, so um, you're fine. I'm sure that vent pipe runs up through the roof. If you're not having any plumbing problems, uh, this would have been checked out when the house was built. So, you know, I'm not sure I would... I would really worry about that. I think uh, I think the vent's there and it's doing its thing. Otherwise, you'd be having all kinds of issues with gurgling plumbing and uh, and uh, you know the, the drains would be running slow and not operating properly. So I'm sure you have it there. The builder would have done that uh, a long uh, a long time ago when the actual house was built. So yeah, have, enjoy finishing your basement. Just get it done and and uh, it'll work just fine. You bet. Let's see here. One more before we go to break. I had had this ready to go. Let's see here. Yeah, and this is from Maggie. She wants to put window tinting film uh, on the on her house. She has a southwest-facing sunroom. It gets unbearable. What do you think of window film? I do like window film, especially when that south-southwest-facing windows. They just get so much heat and glare in. It's just, it, like you say, it's unbearable. And this is one of those DIY projects that may seem a little daunting uh, when you're thinking about it. But it's if you have a, an assistant, have two of you to do it, it really goes well. And it, it really, you'll, you'll get good results. You don't have to have a lot of, a huge skill set to do this. Basically, you soap the windows, peel the backing off the, off the film, slide it into place, and then squeegee. That's it, just like they do with car windows. Uh, it's it's just a piece of cake. Once you get in, you know, once you get used to it, it will reflect the heat and glare back outside, of course, uh, and you'll it'll be cooler in the house. But there's a reverse benefit in the in the winter time because it'll save you heating dollars because the heat will be reflected back inside. Some, not as much as in the summer, but uh, that's okay. But it'll save you some heating dollars in the winter. But the main thing is it'll cut that glare down from that southwest facing windows because it can be wicked, especially when it's hot as it's been outside. So, yeah, that, that that's a, a big, that, that's easy to do. And window tinting film comes in different varieties. And the, I don't know if they still do this. They used to go by like a percentage number. You get an 80 plus, a 90 plus, that sort of thing. And the higher the number, the more reflectivity. So you might check me on that, but... Uh, you don't want to go too dark because if you've got a nice view out there, you want to look out, enjoy the view. So you'll have to kind of split the difference. But just having tinting film on will be a big deal. The other thing I wanted to mention to you is that uh, many uh, window manu if the windows are newer and you're in a newer home, window manufacturers, you know, if you have a warranty claim, for one of the first things they ask is, do you have tinting film on the window? Because it'll it'll void the warranty. So if you if that's not a concern, if you have an older house. I just want to get rid of that glare. Yeah, uh, it really does help to get the tinting film on. We'll be right back. 303-713-8255 right here on Around the House. Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon can help. Call 303-713-TALK. That's 303-713-8255. It's 10 minutes before 5. We have Ruth on the line from Lakewood. 
Ruth, you're on the air. What can we do for you today? Uh, Ken, yes, nice to talk to you. Uh, you you know uh, um, anything about oak trees, uh, Ken? Oak not trees. Per- not particularly. What's going on with yours? Oh, it seems that I don't know. Be having a problem. That kind of this past summer, it was kind of dripping sap, and then uh-huh. the tip tips of the branches, the leaves are 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 um, oh just dead. You know what I mean, dead. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just wondering if you knew anything about oak trees and. <laughs> Well, are 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 some are some branches the entire branch is dead or just all over the tree little spots here and there? Yeah, just kind of the tips of the branches. Yeah. Of of oh, most know, branches. Most of, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So well, I and this is an I assume this is an old old tree, oh, huh? Yeah, it's sixty years old, about sixty years old. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. You know, we would be worried. I don't know. Are leaves turning yellow or not really? Yeah, a few will drop off. They've been dropping off sort of all summer, but there's still lots of green up there. But the spring was beautiful because it was, you know, yeah. of course we had all that rain. And uh, I don't know, of course, you know, I. I should have somebody come out and look at it, but I thought you might have a... No, well, I, the only thing, when when you talk about dead branches, uh, dead leaves at the tips of branches, I would think water might be an issue. Uh-huh. Is it in, in a place where it gets pretty good water? I, you know, well, a 60-year-old tree finds its own water, but uh, is it out in a next to the street where it's real dry out there, or wh- what do you think? No, not really. It's in my front yard. It's not by the street, per se, you know. And it gets, of course, I water, uh, have a sprinkler system. It gets that, you know. Yeah. So i just curious. Man, the, the dripping sap maybe be an indication of something, so I guess. Was the, was the dripping sap in the springtime? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, no. Well, that that can be that's that can be a normal thing. I have to ask my friend John Creddy about this. I've got a uh, I've I've got a maple tree, uh, a, a red maple. I can't remember what it's called. Japanese maple or something like that. Turns uh-huh, red uh-huh. and uh, leaves red in the fall. Anyway, it's a nice maple tree, healthy and relatively young. Mm-hmm. And it cracks and, and drips sap uh, in the springtime when the sap starts running again. I'm not sure that's a major concern. Well, I, as long as this uh-huh. thing's getting plenty of water, uh, I would just uh-huh. not worry about it. I think it may be reacting a little bit to we've had a lot of heat this summer, right, uh, day after right. day after day. So uh, mm-hmm. maybe it's reacting to that. So I, I would probably not worry about it. I would I would yeah. really think that. And the next the next since it's kind of late in the season anyway. The next time you're listening and hear John Creddy, and I'm going to try to get him on the show in the next couple of weeks if he okay. if he's available, uh, call in and, t- and talk to him about it. But it sounds to me like maybe just a normal reaction to the heat and so on, okay? Oh, okay, because he doesn't have a phone a phone where you can call him or get told to him I, or nothing, I, huh? I can, I can get him on the phone. Yeah, I, can, I know his cell phone number and so on, but it would be hard. Oh. You know, if you, are you able to send me an email? Uh, no, no, I don't have a computer, no. but that's oh. all right. I don't need to, you know. All right. All right. Well, the next time you hear him on the phone or on the radio, uh, call in and we'll get the two of you together. Okay. Oh, okay. I appreciate thank, that, Dan. Thank you, okay. Ruth. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your call. Yeah. She, Ruth, no computer. I have a, a friend I go to church with 
who has no computer, and and she's just a, a wonderful lady and and a, a, a dear friend of mine. I just don't know how she gets along in you know uh, without a computer, but you know I guess she makes the makes the best of it, I guess. I also have another friend who has a flip phone, <laughs> so and he's just so proud of his little flip phone. I don't know, he's 15 years old or whatever. Hey, it works just fine. Can I text you? No. Well, okay, whatever. Let's see here. Rod sent me an email. I want to refinish the kitchen table. What kind of finish would be best, semi or high gloss or polyurethane? Uh, I like the idea of a good, a good old oil-based paint. Now, oil-based paint when we were kids was a linseed oil-based material, as you well remember. We don't use linseed oil anymore. We use a polymer resin mix that we call oil-based. It's the slow-drying, you know, eight, 8 to 12 hours to cure kind of thing. But once it hardens, it's very, very durable. So apply it in a warm, warmish environment. You'll be happy with the results. And a, a name-brand paint store can get you help from one of their specialists, but a, but a oil-based formulation would be a, a good thing to use here. You want to prime it first, uh, and you don't want to use polyurethane. Polyurethane varnish is really not very useful, mainly because it turns yellow. It just chemically, it just reacts to the uh, UV light and just turns yellow, and it doesn't last, it doesn't look very good very long, so uh, I would not use, but use, use the oil-based paint, and I think you'll be you'll be very happy with that, really, because it'll give you a durable finish that'll last for years, but you have to let it cure. Make sure you give it enough curing time so it has a chance to kind of harden up, and it's good to keep it warmish while that is going on. How long? Well, I wouldn't even think about serving a meal or having company sit down at it for uh, at least um, 10 days, okay, or longer if you can, if you can do that. Uh, this is from... George, I noticed standing water alongside my uh, my driveway, and uh, apparently the previous owner had buried black flex pipe there. Uh, and uh, how should I handle it? Well, it sounds to me like that. Yeah, there's a, a buried downspout there, and you need to expose those. Anytime you have a downspout pipe that's uh, that's you know buried, and that's the way to do it. That black flex pipe works really well, but you need to expose them. They have to be wide open to the environment. Uh, some people think that if you use a downspout pipe, like a perforated pipe, as kind of a watering source, it'll save water and green up the yard and so on. But it's a lousy idea because we get these big, the big storms here, and and water has to get quickly away from the house very quickly. And if it's if it's enclosed in dirt because you want to water your yard with it, then the water can't escape and it backs up and the gutters overflow. So these downspout pipes, the ends of them have to be wide open. And I was talking to a, a homeowner today about that. Uh, he was buying a home, a newer home, that had probably 10 or 12 downspout pipes buried all the way around the house. And I said, man, you got to find the ends of these. Uh, maybe the current owner can mark them for you. And I know people that use spray, fluorescent spray paint, red or yellow or orange, and put a little dot of paint near the uh, openings of all their downspout pipes, like they're out in the middle of a rock, uh, a rock area, zeroscape area, or put a little flag there somewhere where you can keep checking, because we we found one downspout pipe at this house today. It was full of rocks, and so kids will put the rocks in there, and you, sometimes you get chipmunks. Uh, we'll build nests in them. Um, sometimes they're in the in the lawn where the sod grows in, back into the pipe and blocks them up. The ends of these downspout pipes have to be really wide open all the time in case that next storm comes over the hill. So 
Uh, you don't want to use perforated, use solid downspout pipes and don't bury them. I know it seems logical to kind of water the yard with them, but uh, it's not good for the house because you don't want to get that downspout backed up and the gutter overflowing. So thank you for that email, George. And uh, we'll be back with part two of Around the House right after the news at 506. Our phone number is 303-713-8255. And live email at aroundthehouse.com. We'll be right back. back to the program. It's 506 in the Rocky Mountain West. This is the Around the House program, and we're glad you're with us. We'd love it if you check in with us. Tell us what's going on around around that home of yours that you like. And got some issues that popped up this week. We'll kick them around if you want to give us give us a call. Uh, you know, I like to start with a little, some light stuff that people send me. My buddy Cliff sent me this little list. And that, uh, and these sound, you know, a lot of these things we read on the air are kind of apocryphal. You know, maybe they happened, maybe they didn't, they should. Maybe if they didn't, they should have, that sort of thing. But I, these sound pretty real to me. And this list is, is pretty cute. It's called, let's see here, How to Decide Whom to Marry. Okay. And these are by kids. These are like, oh, eight, ten, seven, eight, nine, ten year old kids. Here we go. I think you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, I'm going to read it anyway, even if you don't. <laughs> Let me see here. Uh, Alan, age 10. you got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports, and she should keep the chips and dip coming. Kristen, age 10. No person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before, and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. Wow, Kristen, that's a grown-up answer. What's the right age to get married? Camille, age 10, says 23 is the best age because you know the person forever by then. How can a stranger tell if two people are married? Derek, age 8, said you might have to guess based on whether they seem to be yelling at the same kids. I think little Derek gets shouted at once in a while. Let's see here. What do you think your mom and dad have in common? Lori, age 8, says uh, they Neither one of them want to have any more children. I thought that was pretty interesting. What do you what do, uh, what do most people do on a date? Was the question. Lynette, age eight. Dates are for having fun, and people should use them to get to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. Uh, what do most people do on a date? Martin, age ten. On the first date, they just tell each other lies, and that usually gets them interested enough to go for a second date. That kid's gonna go places. When is it okay to kiss someone? Pam, age seven, says when they were rich. Kurt, age seven, says the law says you have to be 18, so I wouldn't want to mess with that. And finally, when is it okay to kiss someone? Howard, age eight, said the rule goes like this. If you kiss someone, then you should marry them and have kids with them. It's the right thing to do. Thank you, Howard, for the advice. Is it better to be single or married? Anita, age nine. It's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. Who would the world, well, let's see, how would the world be different if people didn't get married? Kelvin, 
H. H. said there sure would be a lot of kids to explain, wouldn't there? And finally, the favorite of this list, uh, how would you make a marriage work? Ricky, age 10, is a diplomat. He says, tell your wife that she looks pretty, even if she looks like a dump truck. So I thought you might get a kick out of that. Kids say the darndest thing. Was it Art Linkletter? Is that, um, yeah, okay. 303-713-8255 is our telephone number, and we'd be delighted if you check in with us here on the uh, on the program. Here's one that I hear a lot, and this is from Kelly. Our first shower in the morning is lukewarm. After that, it's okay and nice and hot. What's going on? Well, uh, maybe the water heater thermostat isn't kicking the burner on during the night, so the the water in the top of the water, you may be cooling down a little bit. That's that's one explanation. So you want to let the water run a little longer. It's some, it might help to wrap a blanket around the water tank. Uh, you can buy one for $15 or so at a discount sto- a store. Uh, Any more because of new federal regulations promulgated about three years ago or so, two or three years ago. If you've got a newer water heater, it has a thick insulating blanket anyway right now. Uh, also, it helps to turn up the dial to a hotter setting, uh, but if, you know, make sure if there's any little kids in your house, they don't get scalded or um, somebody that's you know handicapped or infirm kind of person. So, uh, but you know, if just the two of you taking showers every day, turning up the water heater helps because showering is a is a mix of hot and cold water. So you turn to a higher hotter setting, you get longer showers anyway. Um, and finally. Uh, it does help to run a load of clothes or dishes first thing in the morning before the initial shower. And uh, that, that that can work pretty well because that pulls the hot water up through the tank. Or the final answer, Kelly, is to make your husband take a shower first. And that way you're going to get the nice hot water. So I hope that helps. Uh, that's helpful. Sometimes, and not often, but sometimes... It can be the shower valve, but I don't think that's the case at your house. Sometimes older shower valves break down, and uh, there's little rubber washers inside. And when the uh, when the hot water comes, it expands them and it starts operating properly. But I have a feeling it's your water heater tank more than anything. Let's see here. Let's talk to Marianne in Loveland. Marianne, you're on the air. Hi. What can we do for you? Uh, well, I'm in an HOA, unfortunately, and yeah. um, I talked to John about two, maybe three years ago, about uh, the, you know, what they're over-watering all the time. And that is the, they are the most wasteful groups about watering. Yeah. They just are. And this is, this is going on again this summer, every day. It's just like a, a rice paddy. They put so much water on our, and the lawns look worse. Yeah, you have like, the lawns are kind of squishy to walk on and that sort of thing. Yes, and the whole thing is they're not green. I mean, they're fading, and and they've done this for about the last three years, and I can't, you can't get any communication going with the board because of COVID, so everything's on a Zoom meeting. Oh, yeah, so can't yeah. can't get any discussions going on. And, but you know what? Even the broken heads, I have turned in three different broken heads, and when they're broken and they water, it's just gallons of water that's coming out. Yeah. And I call, you know, and I call, finally I get a hold of the water department here in Loveland, and then of course they, well, we have to go to the HOA and they have to blah blah, and it's, I'm telling you, it's so hard when they're using water wastefully. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you, Mary, Marianne, is, does Loveland have uh, water restrictions? Like if you owned a home, a, a single-family house, no. would you be limited to like three days a week or something like that? No. 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 Okay. I'm, I'm a little surprised. We, yeah. We don't. And, uh, and so I have to, you know, and I know the mayor, so what I'll do is I'll call him up and say, the water department, get a hold of him and, and stop this because, you know, I'll get a hold of the mayor. I mean, it, I, I'm just so disappointed and uh, to see that happening, or else they have the heads where they're sprinkling the street, right? And they're not, yeah. you know. And is this a is this a pretty large running down the sidewalks? We got water, and nobody. It's just like, oh, it's okay. Well, let me ask no, you this: okay. Is this a, a pretty big complex? How many units in your complex? There are 77 townhouses. We have uh, 12 uh, units on. These side, then we have 118 homes, and then we have the rest of the um, 77 on the other side. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, you know what I would probably do? I'd try to run for a seat on the board, and, and you have some influence if you're on the board of the HOA. Have you thought about doing that? Well, I was president for eight years. They threw me off eight, uh, three years ago, and that's when the problem started. Because Why did they? Because the management company to do everything. A new management company came in. And we had, as a board, we had uh, decided about trees, and we had decided everything. You know, yeah. as a board, we sat down and you know, drew an a outline of what we were going to do every year. Well, this new uh, major, uh, management company came in and said, well, no, we're going to do it all. And I my, limited, my limited experience with management companies, I've served on some HOA boards in the past, is that uh, after a while, they start to take you for granted, and they and they get pushy, as you're describing, and they get, to, frankly, just can I say it, a pain in the neck, a pain in the in the other parts of your body too. That sometimes you just need exactly. to change them because you, know you need to change them. Yeah, and it's happening to so many. And I've got even you know with with Dora, I've got a complaint with the city or the state of Colorado with the HOA. Um, Well, it sounds to me like a management company is not paying attention and the board is maybe a little on the weak side or something. So, yeah, management companies, you know, you just need, I think, once in a while, just change them for the heck of it, just because you need some new ideas and a new approach and they're glad to get the business and that sort of thing. So uh, that's the only only avenue you have is just kind of go through the HOA board, I guess. Because they, unfortunately, the way that it's set up, um, they have a a lot of uh, pull and a lot of power. Well, I mean, it just sounds like they're not paying attention. Who who wants high water bills? I mean, what I mean, were they masochists? Why would you want high water bills? You know. <laughs> well, that and 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 everything else, because everything is going higher, and they have not aerated, you know, for the entire year this year. Well, uh, you, you know, and you talked about not green. The reason lawns aren't green is they're probably not fertilizing often enough. That's what makes a lawn nice and you green. Right. Get that nitrogen on they're there. They're not doing that also. I'm saying, yeah. And so the reason the lawns would probably look a little peaked and a little, you know, faded is because they're not fertilizing. Well, I think HOA is the only avenue you have. I was hoping that Loveland. I can't imagine that in this, uh, the whole Western United States is in a semi-drought here, and uh, why they wouldn't have water restrictions. Uh, I know some cities do, you know, three days a week, and maybe not before, you know, but, but uh, not uh, during the day, you know. It, 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 in the morning or at the night kind of restrictions and so on. I'm surprised they don't. So they're not in any legal jeopardy from the water department. So 
I would just no. push and push on the board. There's nothing really, nothing else you can do. But it doesn't sound like the board is very strong, and it doesn't sound like the HOA management company is doing a Need advice on your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. 522. Good to have you with us here on the Around the House program. Check in with us if you are so inclined at 303-713-8255 is the contact line. Here's one from Pat. I melted a plastic glass on my dishwasher heating element. It smells awful and I want to get it off. How? Well, you know, it's not an easy, not an easy call. I would uh, get a single, you know, get a single-edged razor blade and just scrape off as much as you can. Uh, be careful if you scratch too deep, you can ruin the heating coil. But uh, just don't, um, uh, just go nice and gentle and sc- scrape it off. And uh, the finer, uh, if there's still some fine plastic particles, you can rub it with some steel wool, uh, and and uh, and that'll help. Um, you can. Uh, if that doesn't work, you could try a little abrasive paste, like you know, soft scrub, uh, on the uh, with a sponge on the heating element. Just whatever it takes to kind of gently ease that off of there. Uh, and you can, um, uh, if there's a smell in the dishwasher that remains, you know, you might, you might, I don't know, you might run a couple of cycles with no dishes, maybe some just some baking soda in there, just to get the smell out. Uh, but it will indeed go away. So don't despair. I remember that. Uh, and I don't think I've seen this in a long time. Do you remember what, in the days when plastic cookware became a big deal? And I, I don't know what era I'm talking about, probably 60s, 70s, where uh, you'd see a lot of warnings like dishwasher, top rack only kind of idea. I haven't seen that in a long time. And I don't really worry about what I put where. I guess, was that, maybe that was Tupperware I'm thinking of. They, did, they didn't want it down near that heating element. Maybe that's what I'm, what I'm thinking of anyway. So you can get that off of there. Uh, you can also, um, if you uh, are so inclined, you can also heat up the element, which will, uh, you know, now the problem with doing that, uh, Pat, is if you if you turn on the heating cycle only, the dry cycle, so the heating element heats up, and it really gets very, very hot, that would be easier to scrape the plastic off because it's remelted, but it's the problem is you can burn yourself, so just be very careful if you want to do that. But maybe the initial try with your razor blade, if you just turn it to dry only, uh, the last of the cycle, get it nice and hot, and that plastic will remelt and just ease right off there. But then let it cool down and use your steel wool or your soft scrub or something. But yeah, it shouldn't be a big deal to get that to get that off of there. Not a not a huge uh, problem. Here's an interesting email from, by the way, our phone number three zero three seven one three eight two five five. If you'd like to get on board here. This is from Phyllis. Need to replace my basement windows. The law says they need to be that big egress style. Uh, should I replace both? I really can't afford it. I don't think the city, well, uh, I don't think you you can be required uh, to, re- if you're just replacing existing windows, I don't know if you can be required to turn them into egress or not because you have a what we call grandfather. The windows are okay now. Just because you go from metal to vinyl, I, you know, I don't know if that's what you're saying. Uh, uh, perhaps you are in your jurisdiction, and maybe a, 
a requirement that if you replace any basement windows, then you've got to make them egress, in which case I would just do the upstairs. I wouldn't do the basement. But anyway, as far as I know, you don't need to do more than one egress window in a basement anyway. You need to know, uh, you need to have two ways out of a, a sleeping room. One is the normal, you know, up the stairs and outside kind of thing or through a window. Uh, and um, you, I, I would double check on your jurisdiction, whatever building department Phyllis you're under, to see if this really is a requirement uh, to just, because usually in the building codes, replacing like for like, like an old window with a new window doesn't trigger any codes, but it may be different in other jurisdictions. So we're just, you, you just have to ask your building department. But uh, I would, I know they won't make you put in more than one. Because that'll be an, another exit out of the uh, out of the basement. So uh, have have heart, and you know the house will be more modern if you put it one egress window in, and uh, you would put it in the if there's one bedroom down there, put it in the bedroom. But if you have to, they, uh, I would not um, uh, I would not do more than one. I would I would not let, let the building department talk me into that because they're they're expensive. They're three four thousand bucks a piece to put a egress window in where an existing window is. So just go for the one if you really have to. If you don't, then maybe I wouldn't even replace my basement windows. Just say forget it. Let's see. Les in Littleton. You're on the air with Ken Moon on Around the House. Hi. Uh, Hello, yeah, Les. Hi, uh, hi, uh, hi. How you doing? How you doing? Um, um, I have a water heater. I'm trying to replace. I replaced it once already, and I bought a bad... You know those turny type valves that you put in the, the copper line, three quarter inch copper line that feeds the water into your place. Yeah, like a, a, a gate valve, you mean? Well, a gate valve is one that turns just one way and then turns the other way, and you close yeah. it one way. But the other kind has is like the outside faucets, like outside when you sprinkle your lawn and you turn it on the outside. I yeah, the Hank, I, I, I've got it reversed. I forgive me. A ball valve is the one you just is a lever you turn 90 degrees, you know, straight or or perpendicular. That's a ball valve. A gate valve is the one that actually turns, you know, four or five six turns to turn it on. Is is that what we're are we on the same page now? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, you, you had it right. Yeah. I, it was, yeah. Huh, I forgot yeah. the name of the other guy. Well, that's okay. Played. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. So anyway, I put that in when I put the, the new water heater in and then I but I uh, I'm trying to the, the line the, the line goes before that that comes in from the main I, I'm not even a condo and there's like 12 units in this building so the Sono main valve goes to all of them that main one is also a what is it gate valve yeah yeah with a handle that turns five or six turns well yeah yeah but if this one's not turning and and it doesn't want to turn and it's calcified, I guess, I think, over the last, since 83, when this place was built. Yeah. Is there a way to get around have that? You, or? Have you tried a pair of pliers on it, you know, that that uh, it, it just won't turn at all? Um, yeah, it, it doesn't want to turn at all. And, I, and I'm afraid if I turn it, it's going to start leaking. And then I'm going to get, you know, in trouble with, I mean, then all 12 units are going to, it's going to start leaking. And then I might not be able to seal it. You know, I mean, when it, when something's sealed for 30 or 40 years and you start yeah. messing with that, then and, and, and then you try to turn it back on, uh, back off again and, and or back on again, it, it, it starts leaking. It, so you want to you want to you want to loosen it up just so that 
you know it's available if you need it, basically, huh? Yeah. Well, I want to I want to turn it off so I can put the so I, so so down downline from that I can put the water heater in and the new copper lining and all that kind of stuff that goes yeah. with the water heater. Um, I want to turn it off so I can then work on, you know, what what goes down flow to that towards the water heater. Um, now, okay, just I, okay. If you look at the valve, uh, the 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 handle usually it's colored blue or sometimes red, but the thing that you turn just below that, you know, this where the stem goes into the valve, there's a big nut there called a packing nut. If you know what I'm talking about. Um, no. No, it's, no, not it's, literally. Well, the, 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 I, you, look at, you look at the handle. It's the thing you put your hand on, right, turns right. a shaft, and the shaft goes down into the valve. Well, where that shaft goes into the valve, there's a big nut there. Uh, that's how you would replace the, the washers in it and just take it apart. So if you get a big pair of pliers, you might try to loosen that nut up just a, a eighth of a turn, uh, to try, and then see if the valve will turn. Now it'll leak when you do that, but you can you know you can tighten it back up again, and the leak will stop. Have you thought about doing that? No, I, I never thought about the nut, but um, yeah, loosen the nut yeah. a little bit and see if it'll turn. You okay. can also, if you wanted to, uh, and I, you know I'm I'm reluctant to recommend this because it's drinking water, but you could put a little, just just some WD-40 or some kind of solvent. Uh, around that packing nut, and it might just loosen that shaft up just a little bit. So uh, you could try that, uh, try both tricks, and and see if that'll loosen it up a little bit. But you're right, they do get calcified with age, and you just have to keep turning and turning. Now, I would do this, of course, I wouldn't do it over the weekend, because you want people around the complex who can turn the main shut, if you get in trouble, can turn the main shut off totally off to the building itself. So you want somebody on site, just in case you get in trouble. But uh, I would try that. A big, you need a, some big pair of you know channel lock plumber pliers to loosen that packing nut, and uh, and give that a try. So let me know if that works for you, Les. Okay. All right. Cool. Thanks. Appreciate All right. Glad you called. Three zero three seven one three eight two five five. I wanted to talk to you for a minute. Here, here's a little yeah, a little email I wanted to share with you from Bruce. Uh, this is Bruce in Denver. Just wanted to pass on kudos to Brian at Eagle Crest. He was able to tell me what my problem was over the phone, sent me a YouTube link, how to fix it. Highly recommend him. Anybody that has furnace issues, when I have future issues, I'll call him first. Yeah, that's what Brian, you know, I mean, listen, he doesn't make any money by telling a potential client, uh, here's a YouTube video that'll solve your problem. You know, a lot of folks want to go to the house and spend 10 grand or four grand or a thousand bucks for some part you don't need. But Brian just does those little, those little freebies, those little gestures of kindness, because he knows he'll get you as a customer eventually. He's a sharp businessman. He wants customers for life. Just what you need when you need it since 1983. So this is my Denver-based heating and air conditioning guy. I want you to call him uh, if you uh, have a furnace AC airflow problem. 303-451-5607. He uh, he's available to do that annual furnace check. We're coming to that time of the year. Uh, when you need uh, to get that furnace looked at for the coming heating season. And listen, if there's still plenty of warm weather ahead, and if you need central air at your house, and who doesn't, he's got a system he can get in for you for just 3500 bucks complete. And that's a uh, it's the best deal in town. So I want you to call Brian at Eagle Crest and ask about that deal for a ream system, 3500 complete, 
and it, it's it's just it'll get your house cool, and you'll wonder why you hadn't had air conditioning. You should have done it years ago, right? But get some air conditioning in your house from Brian at Eagle Crest for thirty-five hundred bucks complete. 303-451-5607, and if you want a fifty-dollar gift card, a certificate to uh, use to start off using Brian, just email me at aroundthehouse.com, and I'll get it to Brian and get you that fifty-dollar fifty-dollar credit so you can. Check out what I mean. Just what you need when you need it from my buddy Brian at uh, at Eagle Crest. Again, 303-451-5607. And we'll be right back right here on Around the House. Fix-It videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon help you fix things around the house. 21 minutes before 6 o'clock on the Around the House program. Good to have you uh, along with us here. If you want to check in with us, it's 303-713-8255. And we'd be delighted if you want to jump on board here because we want to know what's going on in your life. And I got a little nosy here, but I think we can help you if you want to Check in with us here on the on the program. Let's see, what do we have here? Um, this is from Mike. I want to replace the deck boards at my house with plastic composite material. Do you see any problems with leaving the structure as is? Do I need a permit? Now, usually you don't. If you're replacing deck boards, old deck boards with new deck boards, you're not changing anything structurally. So uh, that would not be a, a, a reason to get a permit or requirement to get a permit. Uh, but the, joy, the the floor joists, the actual boards that hold the deck up, are they in good shape or not? If they're rotted or badly cracked, you need to replace uh, one, uh, you know, one at a time. Uh, you can uh, replace them, you know, or you can sister them or replace them. Uh, sistering means putting a new one alongside an old one. But since you're removing the deck boards, you could probably just uh, pull out the old uh, floor floor joist, the deck joist, and just put a new one in. But uh, if they're rotten, that's this is the time to do it. And the most important thing of all is to protect them. Now, in in up until about 10 or uh, 10, 12 years ago, give or take, we didn't speak, take any special care about deck joists, and so water would just sit there and, and start rotting them away. So now we put tar paper on top of them. You can, there's all kinds of choices here: ice and water shield. Uh, there's uh, window flashing. Uh, a polymer material you can use, anything that'll waterproof the top of those joists. You just cut a, a piece, a strip of the material that's twice as wide as the joist, so it'll drape uh, over both sides of the joist. And then you put your deck boards on and the screws go right through that tar paper or that polymer window flashing or whatever you want to use. The screws will wrap into it, so they'll be waterproofed also. But the point is, you can see that water that dribbles through the deck, the deck will be shed by the waterproofing material, your ice and water shield or whatever, and the deck's joist will stay dry, and they will double uh, or even more the life of those joists because right now, with just with with no protection for them, in in the and within 10 years or so, you start to see rotting of the deck joists because there's a perpetual wet spot 
where the deck boards sit on top of the joist. You can get the idea of that. So you want to waterproof the tops of them. Then put down your new Trex or composite, whatever you'd like, and you'll have a deck that'll last a long, long time. Protecnio's deck joist, that's a huge deal. I When I rebuilt my deck about uh, five years ago, I guess, we cut strips of ice and water shield, which is a thick, sticky tar paper. But there are other choices here also that you can use that work just as well. As I say, uh, we had a, uh, and I don't know if I can find that email, uh, a guy that apparently installs windows that suggested we use that heavy polymer sheeting they use around windows when they put new windows in to keep the water out of the wall. Well, that stuff is very waterproof and very tough and and uh, and very um, uh, very indestructible almost. You can use that too. But anything to protect the top of those joists from water. Mike, then you put your new deck boards on, you'll have a deck that'll last longer than you, okay? 303-713-8255. Uh, let's see here. Two plumbing questions. This is from Deborah. I installed a new kitchen faucet, and the hot water comes out cloudy then clears up right away. Also, I had the second question, I have a single-handled uh, tub faucet, and I have to turn it more and more to the left to get hot water. Well, uh, the cloudy water, uh, you know, that means it's picking up air. So I have a feeling you might have installed the aerator parts incorrectly. It can be a little tricky sometimes. It can look right side up when it's upside down, that sort of thing. So uh, you might want to go out and get a brand new aerator, uh, or, you know, try that. Uh, and um, because, or just try to reverse the parts and see if that helps, because I think that's what's going on. In your shower, if you've got to keep turning it more and more to the left to get, uh, to get hot water, it usually means the parts have worn out inside the faucet. The hot water swells things up when it comes into that faucet cavity, and so if there's a, a springs that have weakened or washers that are... Uh, maybe uh, starting to deteriorate, they may swell up or change position. You get the idea. There's a lot of reasons for that. But usually you can rebuild those single-lever tub faucets quite easily by buying a bag of parts online or over at Lowe's or Home Depot or at your Ace Hardware or wherever you, wherever you shop. And uh, you have to get them the model number, and you, know, you want to make sure you get the right parts. So sometimes it's best to take the, turn the water off, take the faucet apart, and take the parts in in a plastic bag to the hardware store. But anyway, replace all those washers and springs in there and O-rings and so on, and things should straighten out. So those are a couple of good plumbing questions uh, that should be easy for you to solve on a DIY basis, okay? 303-713-8255 is our telephone number, and we're glad you're with us here. We'd like to hear from you. And if you want to send me a, an email right here in the studio, aroundthehouse.com, second button from the left, and we'll be right back. Things break around the house. That's why there's Around the House with Ken Moon. You might like a little Rolling Stones. Their drummer, Charlie Watts, died this died this week. I think, was, was he 80, Shannon? I think he was pretty close to 80, yeah. Uh, that's him in the background there, and that Start Me Up. That's one of my favorite Rolling Stones songs. Anyhow, let's go move along here to Lucy in, um, is it Littleton, right? Lucy in Littleton, you're on the air. It is. It is. Hi. Thank you, Ken. Hi, um, Lucy. I have a porch, and can you hear me? I, I you broke up for a minute. Start over again. Start over again. 
Can, can, okay. You got me? Okay. Yeah, start over here. Okay. You can, yeah. You can, yeah. Okay. Thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. Our front porch and patio are looking pretty cruddy from, oh, like rust stains and things like that. And I really don't want to paint it. Um, but someone had told me about a product called Roller Rock. Have you ever heard of that? I have not heard of that trade name, but is it sound? Is it like I'm thinking it is? Like it's a pebbly kind of paint type thing? Yeah, I think so. The way they described it to me. You, so you don't know if that holds up pretty well or goes on pretty easily. Most of those thickish uh, coatings for decks or patios or stoops or anything don't last a long time. Lucy, because there's a layer, a layer of water can get under them quite easily, and then they start uh, okay. releasing and they look bad. Have you thought about a concrete stain? No, that was going to be my next question, though. Yeah. Well, I think if if you just have a if your patio, you say patio or stoop or both, uh, what's going on? Um, it's the front. It's the front porch and the patio. Yeah. Okay. Well, a concrete, acrylic concrete stain is one of the easiest things to, to mess with around the house because uh, it's water-based, as the acrylic name implies, but it just goes on, usually one coat, and it, it's just so easy to renew. You know, it'll, it'll wear away, maybe if, if you put it in now by next, uh, next summer, you'll see pieces of it come, but you just, re, you just restain it, and it soaks in. And you can get it in a multitude of colors. I, uh, you know, you can get red, green, gray, brown. But if you wanted to just keep the concrete look, just put a gray concrete stain on there. It'll cover up all the old blemishes, and it'll look like newer concrete. Is that something you think you might be interested in doing? What's that? We lost her? Okay. Well, I hope she can still hear me. So, Lucy, I would just get a concrete stain. You, you can get any color you want, but you said you weren't interested in color. So I would do the gray. Uh, but before you do that, you want to make sure that you get all the old crud off of there because there can be a lot of pollutants on uh, on concrete. It can be rust from fertilizer, tree sap, just general pollution from the surrounding air, you know, kind of thing. And just grit and dirt from uh, pets and people tromping around can get ground in. So uh, get a power washer. You can rent one down the street at the rental center and just blast off any of the pollution or the contaminants on, on top of the concrete first. Now, don't be careful. You can actually gouge concrete with a power washer, so don't get the nozzle too close. But just get it nice and clean and let it dry out for a couple of days. Uh, this hot weather should facilitate that, of course. And uh, just put your concrete stain on there. If you want to change color, maybe in the back you would like to go with a barn red or something interesting like that, uh, have at it. But a concrete stain, as I say, is easy to, easy peasy to apply, and it's water-based, easy cleanup. So I think that would be something for you to do. But any coating you would put on there would not stay very long. So thanks for your call, Lucy. Sorry we lost you, but hope you can still still hear, uh, hear me uh, for the last few comments. Bev sent me an email. This is a little early because winter's, you know, not not that close, thank the Lord. We got more nice weather ahead of us. But she says, I heard you say about a light bulb in the refrigerator in the garage. What's, what's this all about? Well, it's not a summertime thing. Because in the summer, there's enough heat in the garage that the refrigerator responds nicely. And, you know, it just runs because uh, there's heat trying to impinge 
uh, on the internal parts of the refrigerator and freezer. So it runs kind of normally. But when the garage gets down below about 50 degrees as the fall and winter get here, the thermostat inside the refrigerator doesn't cycle on and off very much. Uh, that's it's, The sensor is in the fresh food part of the refrigerator. And if it doesn't call for cooling because the garage is cool, the freezer temperature will gradually increase. Uh, so you can see how, uh, if you don't do anything, that the, 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 you know, the ice cream and, and meat and fish and whatever, frozen vegetables, whatever's in there, will start to soften up a little bit. So you want to fool the refrigerator into thinking it's warmer than it actually is. So what you do is, is put a, a light bulb in the non-freezer side and leave it on 24-7. Uh, I, I right now I think I have a uh, equivalent 60 watt CFL in my and I, was, I don't have it turned on because it's summertime. But in the winter I keep it on 24/7. It's a 60 watt equivalent CFL, which is about 13 watts or so of electricity, just enough warmth to fool that uh, thermostat in the fresh food side to coming on and off more often than it would in a cold garage. So that's what you do. And uh, what what I did was I. I bought a shop light. If you look, if you go to Home Depot or Lowe's or any, any hardware store, you can find a shop light that has a clamp on it, a spring clamp. And most of them come with some sort of a, like a top hat looking cover, like a reflective cover. And there's a socket in there. So you take the reflective cover off and you're left with a clamp and a socket, which is perfect for inside your refrigerator. You simply clamp it to one of the shelves, put your low wattage bulb in there and thread the the cord to the side of the fridge through, uh, because you just have that rubber gasket there. So as the refrigerator opens and closes, it's not going to hurt the cord and plug it into a GFI outlet. GFI for sure, because if there's any, if there's any shorting that goes on or any kind of electrical faults or anything, it will trip it. But it, you just leave that on 24 seven and it really does a nice job. Now, if you want to just use a straight incandescent light, I would not use an led for this, by the way, I would use a, a CFL or a halogen or a regular incandescent light, I would start off with a low wattage, maybe 25 watts or so uh, at the most, and that should be plenty uh, to, to keep that refrigerator operating normally. Then the freezer stays frozen, and the fresh food side cycles on and off because it thinks the garage is warm when it really isn't. So I hope that's, uh, I hope that's helpful to you. Uh, but see if you can find a 60-watt equivalent CFL which I did, and works really, really well because there's just enough heat. Trouble with an LED light, it doesn't give off enough heat to satisfy this requirement of fooling that little thermostat in there. And finally, Mike says, how can I get our shower base clean? Tried everything. You may be out of luck. Uh, if you've tried Comet Cleanser in a paste with a stiff bristled brush, that's the way you would start. Uh, scrub it off. If that doesn't help, Barkeeper's Friend, which is an oxalic acid-based cleaner, that works uh, uh, pretty pretty well. That's the next thing up the food chain, and that does a good job. Uh, but the uh, the real answer here is to use oven cleaner. And thanks to one of my listeners who experimented with this, this is many years ago here on the program. She bought the Easy Off Oven Cleaner in the blue can. Blue an the blue can means low odor. And you spray it on there and let it just sit for an hour, an hour and a half or so. Just a nice generous layer of the oven cleaner on your shower base. And then get that stiff bristled brush and scrub away and rinse it with cold water. 
and it'll brighten up that shower base. You won't believe it because what's happened is the, the glossy surface of that, of the shower base has worn away over the years and you've gotten body oils and, you know, soap scum and things that just make it look kind of dingy and, and dirty. So that's the secret to cut through all that grease and crud like you would in an oven. Use the Easy Off Oven Cleaner in the blue can and I think you will love the results. Thanks for that email, Mike. Well, that's all she wrote for the program. Good to have you with us. I'll see you in September. That was a song from my youth next next week, next weekend. Shannon Scott, thanks for your expertise as always in the control room. I hope you have a great week. Aroundthehouse.com if you want to email me. God bless. Have a, have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time right here around the house. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.